0: This is the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson.
1: All right, hello and welcome. I'm super excited about today's session. Um, We're gonna be talking all about the importance of list and data quality for your cold outreach. Um, And we've got a new service that we really like called Coldlytics. I'm gonna talk about why we like it, why it's useful how it's going to help you get better data, which is going to make your cold prospecting more effective, uh, which ultimately is going to help you land more clients, get more appointments and and grow your agency. So give me a one in the chat if you're excited to go deep on the sexy topic of data and really getting good quality data. Excellent. And I'm really excited to have Matt McQuinn with us. He's a co-founder of ColdLytics. Matt, all the way from Canada here with us today. Um, Pumped to have you on.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Great to be here. Thanks, Josh.
1: Let me share my screen here, guys. I'm going to go through a couple slides and then we're going to get Matt to really talk about his system, how it works and how you can really plug into it at the highest level possible. I've been doing a lot of work, as you guys know, um, reworking OnRamp over the last couple of months and kind of looking at what's working best for the members, where they're having the most success. Um, and I'm a big, big believer in this concept that that cold outreach, it should be the, the kind of entry point Prospecting effort you do to get appointments to grow and ultimately a shift over to do more uh, positioning work and getting clients to come to you pre positioned to buy. Uh, but looking at the agency world as a whole, you know, unfortunately, in most cases, it tends to fail, right? You're spending a lot of emails, you're doing a lot of outreach, and you're just not getting much response. I just want to unpack what I found to be the big reasons your cold outreach is failing. Um, and then we can we can dive into into like what I think the what the biggest challenge there is is the cold list data being bad. Um, number one, like the big big problem, the big got gotcha you is bad list data, right? Um, we think through brute force, we're just going to get a big list. We're going to send a bunch of messages through you know Mailshake or through. LEM list or through high level or whatever platform we're going to send from. And we think we're going to send enough volume that we're going to get enough responses. We're going to get enough appointments that it will start to pan out. Um, The reality is if you're sending lots and lots of emails to sales at info at, um, you know, company name at whatever versus the actual owner, you're just not going to be getting through. You're just going to be sending dead end messages that don't go anywhere. And so You know, if you look at some of the resources like D7 Lead Finder, which is pretty common in the industry, um, you look at um, some of those other tools, usually what they're doing is they're scraping Google or they're scraping Yelp or they're scraping one of these platforms and they're giving you the generic contact details. Like there's no first name and the email is just that info ad. It's the public one that they put out there that nobody really responds to. And then even if you look at the higher level paid sources, which we like recommend like data axle, and SIC code, they're only marginally better. Like, yes, they are, in a lot of cases, validated emails, but like, they're not super tight. You're not getting to the owner of that business. You're not getting to his direct email address. Um, And so you're you're only gonna get so far if the quality of your data is bad. Just put it in like bad data, if that makes sense. If you're kind of tracking along here, your, your outcomes with cold outreach are only going to be as good as the data that you have access to. And so the other reason is a lot of these systems give you, you know, companies that don't exist anymore. Like they're not in business anymore. They, they've shut the doors. And so you're sending emails to small companies, to you know, disqualified organizations. And, and, it's, and it's kind of a, a pointless effort. Now, the other reason your cold messaging is typically failing is because the message is too generic. right? You're sending a very generic email, doesn't have any custom variables, doesn't really you know, leverage anything that would stand out. And like what we're teaching you guys in the new version of OnRamp, lots of customization, using the competitor's names, using custom imagery, can really make your messaging stand out. Um, the other big gotcha is your emails aren't being delivered. As I look at a lot of you guys, you're sending all of these emails But you haven't properly set up your email configuration and so the emails are going up but they're not making it to the inbox. And so, of course, if you're doing lots of volume, even if you've got a good list, that's not going to work out very well for you. Um, And then the the biggest I I think really is relying on just a single channel right just doing email when you think cold outreach. Email is part of the equation, but you need to be multi-channel, right? You should be emailing, you should be calling, you should be reaching out to them on social messenger, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, maybe even dropping stuff in the mail. And you know, the, the last one is not following up with prospects when they do raise their hands, right? No matter how good your outreach process is, your emails, how great the messaging is, your social messenger communication if when they respond back, whether good, bad or indifferent, you don't have a proactive approach to follow up with that person to get them on the phone and to move them to the next step, which is a discovery call, you know, you're know you gonna be spinning your wheels in a lot of ways. Um, and so all of you guys have got the new version of OnRamp. It's been loaded into your login portal. Um, and it really is built to solve for these big problems as it relates to cold outreach. Uh, but the biggest gotcha of them all is this bad list data issue. Um, and that's what we're focused on today. Really solving for that, giving you guys access to the best quality list data so that your message does get delivered, so that it can be received, and so that you can't customize your communication. Um, I just want to show kind of a comparison of list sources. Um, I went deep. I, I looked at D7 Lead Finder, Data Axle, SIC Code. Uh, we went to Clean Leads, Lead Carrot, Seamless.ai. Um, most of you guys have probably tried some of these tools in the past with maybe good or intermittent results Um, and using it for our use case study, right, which is selling the plumbing HVAC companies in markets where we actually have availability, which is a a problem we're constantly trying to solve for. It's like we can't take everybody because we do exclusivity in certain markets. Um, We pulled a list of plumbing companies in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, and if you look at D7 Lead Finder data, which is kind of here, and I've I've got this as a link for you guys. Um, actually, I'll just drop this in as a point of reference. If you, if you look at D7 Lead Finder, it came up with 69 records. But if you look closely, two things that really make this not productive from a cold outreach perspective. We don't know who the owner of the business is. Literally, they don't provide that data. They don't have access to it. Uh, the other is if you look at the message, like it's ap at, info at, inquiries at, um, help at. These are all you know emails that aren't going to get delivered. And if you call that company, you don't know the owner. Hey, can I talk to the owner of the business? You sound like an idiot, right? You're going to have to do some more due diligence going into that call so that you know who you're talking to, that you can have an intelligent conversation. Now. Data Axel, which is something I've really, really been a fan of over the years, is, is a little bit better, right? We do have some, some owner names in here. We've got the mailing address, which is which is helpful. Um, but it's still kind of a montage. Um, you know, Knowing what I know about Allentown, Pennsylvania, some of the contact names aren't the right person. They, get, they have a, a name of somebody in the company, but it's not the owner. It's not the decision maker who you want access to. Um, Clean leads is another platform that really pulls against LinkedIn for our applications, serving local businesses for the most part, um, was just, you know, completely all over the place. Very, very unuseful data. Um, Lead carrot. You know, and I know that they've improved this and I know they're, they're working on it. It, it just uh, didn't even, it didn't, didn't give good quality information that we could, that we could run with. And then seamless data I found was more like once you've got a list and you wanna append additional details, it's great for that, but it wasn't great for pulling the actual list data in, um, in the industry. And so um, after doing all my research, I came across Coldlytics, uh, which is a relatively new list data source that we came across uh, through, the, through the public group. And what's unique about them is they use all of these tools to gather the initial data for let's say a city and an industry that you're trying to gain prospect details in, but they put a researcher on the back end of it. So instead of pulling from public data sources, it pulls from public data sources. And then somebody with an intelligent eye for research looks and finds who's the owner of this business. Okay, what's the best email that would actually get delivered to that individual? And so this makes a big, big difference, right? Because you've got the right owner and you've got the right email address. Um, And so if you look and compare the data that we got from Coldlytics versus D7 Lead lead Finder, any of the other sources, you'll see we've got the names of the owners of the business and we've got their most direct email address. Um, And I was running this initially as a beta test, just to see like, you know, is this legit? Is there any difference in quality? And I've done some business over the years in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, as a matter of fact, one of our one of our first great case study clients was Shuler Services in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And so if you look on here, it found Shuler Service, and it also found Greg Joyce, who's the current in-the-moment owner of that business. And this is the email that we always communicated with him on. Um, so I was like, okay, that's, that's a pretty good indication. Um, and then for whatever reason, Greg Joyce decided to go a different direction a couple of years ago. And so he started working with Mates Home Services. Really large company, at, you know, lots of context. You get a, you've got an owner, you've got a director of business development, you've got a sales manager, um, but they found Dave Dewalt, the owner of the business, and Dave's direct email address that we actually communicated with them on day in and day out um, in the business. Dave was acquired recently, um, and so we're, we're actually back trying to find the right client to work with today in Alton. That's why this this test is even being run in the first place. Um, but you can see there's a big difference between having the actual correct owner and their email address that's actually going to get delivered as opposed to just generic information that was pulled from public data sources. Give me a one in the comments, if that makes sense. If you kind of, you're clear that there's a difference between this data source and kind of having a researcher behind it, as opposed to, you know, just pulling from the internet and the worldwide, worldwide web. Okay, cool. So Last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to hand this back to to Matt so he can walk through it in depth, is that what we rolled out for you guys in On Ramp, which is all focused around landing at least five clients as quickly as possible, is is based on this notion that we need to have good quality list, right? And so if we're we're thinking about you know the actual getting of appointments and landing of clients, get a good list, do the outreach, and work the pipeline, right? Like Step one is good, good list, right? And I think there's two sources of the list that you want to plug into. You want to get the association list so you can draft on affinity. Really want to re-encourage all of you guys, join the association, be part of that association, reach out to that list and become omnipresent in it. The second is to buy a list from the highest quality source you can get, which in my opinion right now is Cold Linux. And so that's, that's where we're at the rest of it in terms of the messaging, how you work the pipeline, how you follow up with the opportunities on there is in the training. And if you haven't gone through it recently, I suggest you go back through because it is up to the moment, like our best strategies and tactics to get you guys through the door and on the calendar. So without further ado, uh, Matt, thanks so much for being here. And thanks for developing this great platform that you guys have for, for gaining access to high quality list data.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, I apologize for everybody. My co-founder Richard wanted to be here. Uh, he wasn't able to make it. He's in the UK and he's putting his kids to bed right now. Uh, we're a family business on both fronts. I have daughter upstairs sleeping, so I'm sure many of you do at home right now as well. Uh, it's good to be here. Excited to go over this with you. I think just to iterate on what Josh was saying, Um, really the reason that I co-founded this business was because I was sending through a team of people over 3 million, uh, cold emails over the last year and a half. And I guess maybe more than that now. Um, and what we found was no matter the same thing, Josh just went over where we got the data from who we worked with for one reason or another, it was impossible to just walk up to a business and say, Hey, I've got money. I want to buy somebody's email address. That's a relevant prospect for what we're offering. And email them and i was baffled and you know why can i not do this and so i am really frustrated and the amount of money and time and people multiple people wasting time on bad data and the clients weren't happy with it right um you yourself as a business owner aren't happy when you get these bounced emails back or you get emails that say like hey this business isn't in existence anymore or you know this is not relevant to us at all we're not a plumbing company it's like <laughs> great now i look like an idiot thanks whoever sold me this data. Um, so it was really frustrating. And when I met my co-founder, Richard, he said, hey, we've got this solution. Um, we don't want people to wait for good data and we want people to just be able to get good data if it exists. And if not, we're not gonna sell them crap. You know what I mean? Nobody should be buying things that don't work. Um, so what are we gonna do? How are we gonna make this a solution? Let's just, let's just give people an interface to say, hey, this is where you tell Coldlytics what we need for a contact list. And in the very same place, 24 hours later, you have a contact list and it's a link to a Google sheet. You can do whatever you want with it. I was like, wow, that seems really straightforward. But what about the quality? I was like, how are we going to maintain quality on this, right? Like, that's my big issue, man. I was like, I think this is a really cool idea that you've got. But where is the quality going to come from? And uh, and he said, well, what we do is we actually manually check it. I was like, all right, slow down. I was like, so you sit there and you check the prospect list for the person who paid for it. And this is just unheard of Uh, to me. It seemed like every I could buy it from a literal person and the data was still off. And so that was such a frustrating process. So all this to say, uh, very adamant about having quality data available as often as possible and paying and getting what you pay for. Um, So with that said, without further ado, I'll share my screen and go over a couple of things with you guys and i'll try to keep it engaging um if you guys have questions feel free to drop them in the chat and josh or justin you can just cut me off i tend to yep. ramble so don't hesitate
1: We'll we'll interject as
0: it as it makes sense perfect okay guys um so i know the session the title of the session is the importance of data quality i'm not going to sit here and talk about how important this is for the next 45 minutes or however long this takes but i'm going to give you some tangible examples from my experience and from Let's see if I can make this work. Um, And from examples that you guys will be able to apply for yourselves. Really, that's what I'm looking to do here is say, hey, if you guys walk out of this session session with nothing else, it should be that you came in not knowing something that you knew now, and you're gonna be better off for it in your business as an operator or as a marketer, whatever your role may be. Um, So let's just kind of analyze what makes good data and where can you find it. And of course, Coldlytics will provide that to you. Um, so what makes good data at the end of the day, and one of them isn't on here, but it's really, of course, it's relevance. I'm going to tell you guys a story about how we had good data, but it wasn't relevant. And while we got some really cool results, it didn't end up being worth anything to them. Uh, the accuracy of those contacts, I'll tell an embarrassing story with a client I had in Florida. Um, and then sourcing strategies and different ways to get data um, that maxes us out. And the other thing is something that I mentioned earlier, but it's really the timeliness factor Um, I had, and maybe I should have built this into a slide, but I've worked with dozens of of clients running marketing campaigns from hundreds, actually. And what I found is, if you promise one thing, and they're excited about it, that's great. But every day that elapsed between you delivering that result, and that initial sales conversation you had, was frustrating um, and it, it worked against you. So if you have to wait to get data for your own business as a business owner or a marketer, the people in your company, maybe it's just your, your wife and kids at home are frustrated by this process of saying, hey, you know, we're depending on you, we're depending on this, what's coming next, what's in the pipeline? And you're sitting waiting to find out if you're getting good data, right? Like that sucks, that's not something anybody wants to do. Um, so let's keep going here. Morrison went in commercial cleaning. Last I think January, I worked with uh, a couple of really great guys, really good people. Um, I'm going to tell you who they were, what they came asking me for, what went wrong, and probably what could have been done differently. And I think you guys will learn something from this. This guy, Andrew Breul, um, he's going to pop up later in this story. So these are two guys based in Orange County. Uh, a couple of friends started a commercial cleaning business. They said, hey, this is a niche we understand. This is something we can serve. We think we can carve out our own little corner of the market here in orange county can you get us leads in orange county and i was like yeah for sure and we did just that we got them 17 leads over a couple of months Um, and this was updated level of interest here was live on the left-hand side so it would usually start with a meeting or then it would go back to whatever it was and what we found was get ahead of myself here um there was an issue with the relevance to the audience and up front it wasn't super apparent what the issue was. If you look at these, these were a lot of these were mid-sized companies or small businesses that had physical locations that did need commercial cleaning, and they expressed interest and wanted a pricing sheet or they wanted to have them stop by and check this out. So, so what went wrong? Right? That sounds pretty good. Seventeen people in a few months that said, "Hey, tell me how much this costs. I need this." Not terrible. Um, the leads were generated. It appeared to have market fit. It looked promising, but the offer wasn't actually relevant to the target audience. And here's why. Andrew Grohl, I'm not sure if there's anybody here in Orange County, but you probably know this name. He's a TV chef and he owns the Slapfish restaurant there in Orange County. And uh, I was pretty shocked to see that we got his certified blue checkmark names, email address, and actually contacted this guy. And he came back to lead. He actually wanted their cleaning services. And I was really excited about this. I was like, this is going to be their their leg up. This is going to be the first really big deal for them. But the actual issue was the relevance to what we were selling this guy at the stage he was in the business that he was in, there was a misalignment between the market fit of what uh, Morrison Witten was actually offering. So they were a new company. They were two people. They'd hire on demand, have a couple of people work with them as needed. But there was nothing to present to somebody like Andrew Gruel, who's used to being in front of a television camera, to say, hey, I'm the guy to come in and clean your restaurant at at night, right? They're hardly established. We barely had a website up for them. It was really a new business, and it was apparent from the outside. And so that little disconnect between the relevance of the content, uh, the contacts that we were sourcing, and what we were actually providing, actually broke the campaign. And for one reason or another, I don't think it was completely... Uh, tied to the business itself. they were both students. They said, hey, we're just not going to do this anymore. Let's not do this. Um, so I, I had to analyze this and sit back and say, okay what what should we have done had we known this early on? Where could we have adjusted? And I think I'll jump right to the middle one, analyzing the data that you guys get back, not just on the contact side, but of course, and this is more Josh's department, um, really analyzing what you're seeing and hearing from your marketplace. and oftentimes it's what they're not saying that says the most to you. Um, So what would happen is we got lots of great leads back and then they would go quiet, then they drop off. And so I sat back one day and I said, okay, if I were a prospect, if I had this pretty established law firm and I wanted to bring in a cleaning company, I've got really sensitive documents laying on desks, what am I gonna do before I bring this cleaning company in? Well, nobody's around all that information. Well, I'm definitely gonna look them up on Google and I'm definitely gonna do my homework on them first, maybe get a referral. And when you Googled this company, it was new and there was no online presence. There was a website that had a personal email address on it and there were no nothing else but stock photos, right? So suddenly, if you were this law firm, you're going to say, maybe this isn't the right company for me. I'm probably looking for somebody more established. And then they don't, they don't say anything. Nobody wants to tell you, hey, your business isn't good enough for me, right? They just go quiet. They just say, no problem. You know, they're a young business. I don't want to damn further fire any, So I'm going to back off. Um, so there was a market fit that was... Quietly, unannounced, but saying, hey, we're not the right market for what you're selling. We need to see some established track record before you're gonna step foot through this big law firm to begin cleaning our desks at night. Um, Analyzing that data more fervently and having head round table discussions and brainstorming would have made this more apparent early on and could have led to more meaningful business early on. Um, I think planning accordingly is is the third point here that uh, you don't know what you don't know, but being aligned on the actions that you're taking with the other people in your business, uh, particularly in your revenue operations side of your business, depending on the size of your business, that may be one person or it could be multiple people. So important to make sure that everybody from the person who's drafting the cold emails to the person who picks up the phone or shows up in person um, really is telling the same story and building on what the last person did to continue to push them through the pipeline. And that all starts with good data and having the right person at the beginning to make sure that's a smooth process. Nothing's worse than if you've been talking to somebody and you get passed to the next person. Like uh, this happens all the time in customer service. And they have no idea why you've called. You've just spent 45 minutes on the phone with your bank. They forward you to the right person and they don't know why you've called. It's like, man, why am I paying you guys money every month? Um, So planning accordingly, keeping alignment between your people and revenue operations begins with data and making intentional actions with a group of people who are aligned. Um, so I know this veered off path a little bit, but I think that's something important that you guys will all benefit from. So um, I'll pause here. Any questions that have popped up or should I keep rolling into accuracy, Josh?
1: Uh, let's hop into accuracy, guys. And if you have questions, put them in the, in the comments. Awesome.
0: Okay. So this was probably the worst list I'd ever produced that uh, I got called out on. Anyway, this was prior to Foreman Coldlytics. I had been asked by a company in, uh, they were in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or rather uh, Jacksonville, there it is on the screen. And they said, hey, we wanna to talk to mid-sized businesses. We're looking for a company that was something like 25 employees or more, and they've gotta be in such and such an area. They were looking for really established companies because they themselves had a reputation in their area. Um, and so I got them this list. I was excited to start this campaign and I passed this off. And this will be ingrained in my mind, probably for the rest of, of my life um, in marketing and sales, because I got a phone call later that day from, from that guy. And he was the head of this big firm. And he said, he said, you've put an executive of an NFL team. Wouldn't I like to work with that NFL team, but they're not nearly in the business for what we're doing and just kind of started laughing at me. And I was humiliated. I sat back and I was, I was in my car with my family where I was on speakerphone. My wife's looking at me. My one-year-old's in the back. We're just in a parking lot outside a grocery store. And man, did I feel dumb. And I thought, man, what can I do to prevent that? And I was like, I'm just going to let this client go. That guy was mean. (laughs) That was my emotional response at first. I was like, that guy was just mean. You know, he really just ripped me a new one on the phone and we hardly know each other. Um, but after a week went by and I, I looked at it and I started looking further into the list, I thought, man, he really could have gone over me. He could have read me up for about a half an hour if you noticed everything that was on this list. This was, for lack of a better term, this list was total shit. I sent this guy a list that had maybe 50% of the right contacts and everything else came from everywhere. And it looked like a lot of the lists that uh, Josh showed us. So the importance and the accuracy um, is really, it speaks for itself, but I just wanted to tell a story it was personal to me and really shaped my desire to produce quality data uh, for other people as well as for myself. Because that was a painful, hard lesson learned, and one that could be avoided if there's somebody who's actually looking at that list and doing the due diligence before they start pumping out emails to it. Hundred
1: percent. Actually, an, an example. John uh, Jonathan just posted. Uh, I got I got called a prick on a cold email because the list data was wrong. So it's the wrong first name or the wrong contact detail. It's a great, great example, right? I mean, accuracy is key.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it happens. And uh, hopefully it doesn't happen to you, but (laughs) it's happened to some of us for sure. Um, Guys, I want to spend this last part of the call showing you a few strategies on how you can source quality data um, and, where you can get it from. There's many different places on the web and Coldlytics is really the medium to get quality data from those places. Um, So we are really the transit system for quality data and we connect you to all these big data sources and get you just the few contacts that matter at the end. Like you saw, our list was shorter than most of the other lists that Josh had displayed at the beginning, but they were the right contacts and that's what counts. So I'll begin here by showing you guys how to build out a basic um, ideal customer profile request. And this is really just kind of a a really simple intro to Coldlytics, but it will build on everything else that we do here. So if you've gone to coldlytics.com in the past and you've made a free account, this is the first screen you're gonna see. We're gonna click on new task. By default, it shows you how many leads Uh, You have available for credits and you can top those up up here. So I've got 4,000 in my account. I'm not going to get 4,000 for this list. I'll just get a hundred. Next is max leads per company. So the question to ask yourself is in this business, are there multiple decision makers that you're quite confident would exist in that business? Um, For example, a firm with partnerships, like a a law firm, for example, um, or a medical firm probably has multiple partners and multiple decision makers, and they're all in different places, and often have very different opinions. So if I were going after a law firm, for example, I would go after two or three people in that company, because the first guy may say no to me, but the second or third may say, hey, let's have a conversation and sell it back to those other two. So um, that's the way to think about leads per company.
1: Hey, Matthew, can you zoom in just a tad?
0: Yeah, for sure. Perfect. How's that?
1: Is that better, Thomas? I think that's better.
0: Um, All right, so next, jump down, set your country. Of course, most of you guys aren't targeting people in the United States, but whatever's relevant, you can select multiple countries here. And ideal customer profile is pretty straightforward. Whoever you're trying to talk to, you can punch this in. You can enter their job titles. You can look at the company headcount if that's relevant to you. Um, I can deep dive on any of these points and best practices. Uh, But I'll leave that for you guys to request. Otherwise, I'll keep going. So requesting a basic profile of a customer is that straightforward. That's all that you have to do. And I think a lot of people are probably thinking right now, hey, uh, where do we define what data I'm going to get back? Like, yes, I can tell you that I want people who own uh, car detailing businesses. But how do I know if you're going to give me the mailing address or like a P.O. box or where do I define all that information? That's on the next screen. We'll just hit next. And by default, we always give you the first and last name, company name, their title, and the email address. And this is the kind of the no BS approach here. Um, you need to know who you're talking to in this business. And we're going to be totally upfront with the email that we gave you every time. Uh, so that's why job titles there. And then you can come down and say, hey, I've got a cold caller as well, or I'm the cold caller. I want to pick up the phone, right? I'm not scared to do that, that's awesome. Let's get their phone number then. Um, And other people have LinkedIn automations going or they're doing it manually or have a VA doing it. So you might want the LinkedIn profile um, and so on and so forth. Now, you don't see address in here. So what you can do is type in address and just hit enter if that's something you need. Or some people just need to know, hey, what city is this person in? Or if you wanna break it down, you can do address, city, state. And then country, if he needs another country, it's multiple countries and so on and so forth. So the question I always get at this stage is, hey, well, how much does it cost when I start doing that? So the price doesn't change when you add these data points. Uh, That was something else that I found extremely frustrating. was like, wow, okay, so you're selling me all this data. Let's let's take like, I don't know, PitchBook, for example. And they're like, yeah, but you can only have, you have to pay me $20,000, but you can only have 10,000 emails. Then after that, you gotta keep paying. well, what did i pay you twenty thousand dollars for that's a lot of money to not get what i need um so we don't change the pricing based on if you need to know where this person is located you know that's just a foolish thing to charge for um, we try to be really reasonable and, and human beings to our clients so this magical chat box in the bottom uh will connect you to me or richard we're both co-founders we both jump in here as often as we can so if you guys are clicking around a little bit lost don't hesitate to uh, to do that. So with that um, said- Brad's
1: asking, what about um, like annual sales volume, number of employees, if that yep, can get pulled in?
0: For sure. So we actually built in number of employees right here, company headcount. Um, I'll add this tidbit in. So for a lot of you, um, a lot of you are saying, oh, I don't, I don't really use headcount. And a lot of people are like, man, I live by headcount. You're probably on one end of that or the other. People live by it or they don't use it at all. Um, And I like headcount, I personally like it, but sometimes it limits the data too much that I just say, whatever, I'm not gonna worry about that metric. But if I've got a pretty big pool to start with, I'll go for it. And how do you know what the right headcount size is? Well, you can look back at your sales and say, well, I've never worked for a company with more than 12 people, right? So between zero and 10 is probably a pretty good place to start. But if you look at average revenue per employee, you can go to sources like Statista, Um, or other places on the web and just Google average revenue per employee manufacturing, right? That average revenue per employee is probably about 150 to $250,000 per employee. Now you do that same search and say average revenue per employee marketing agency. That number goes up to like a million dollars or a software SaaS business, like a million dollars in certain industries. And so that's a huge range. So other people are saying, oh, well, I don't go by headcount. I go by sales volume. I go by the revenues of these businesses. How do I convert headcount to revenue or vice versa? That's the formula. Reverse engineer average revenue per employee. You can punch it in Google and find free statistics for most niches. Uh, not super niche, but niche enough that it will give you a benchmark. And that's all we're doing here. At the end of the day, uh, someday, if you've never worked with a company with 50 people in it, you will, right? If you were in this long enough, keep your doors open long enough, you're going to work with a bigger player and a smaller player than you've said yes to before as well. Um, So don't get too hard headed on this, but it's definitely available to you. You can enter it. Um, As far as entering sales volume data right at the bottom, we don't or rather uh, advanced filters we do have this option here company revenue so we start at less than half a million and then goes all the way up to a billion dollars and these benchmarks are reflective of linkedin that's one of the places that we do check for this information but we're also checking uh, zoom info and crunchbase and, and you name it all these different places that they put this data out there so that's why why can't I just type in and say, well, I want this specific number. Most places don't have a specific number. And if they do, it's not all that accurate to begin with.
1: Yeah. When you start putting, when you start filtering revenue numbers and most of us are dealing with businesses between a half a million and five million million per year, kind of as our sweet spot. Um, it's going to filter out because the data at that size isn't nearly as, you know, up to date as if you were dealing with $10 million plus companies, usually that data is pretty tight. Um, so I would use those, you know variables with a grain of salt.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good tidbit to add.
1: Sebastian's asking if there's any way to exclude specific company names or franchises, national chains.
0: Perfect. Yep. There's two ways you can do this. Uh, the most straightforward is you, if you just want to exclude, you know, exclude national brands. Um, like you're looking for restaurants, but you don't want McDonald's and Burger King, right? Or you can say exclude uh, franchises, for example, if that's something that you don't want in there. Um, You can just type it in like that in the additional notes section at the bottom. But the other thing, I was going to save this for the end, but with that question, I'll do it now. Um, We get asked that question all the time, which is why it's here. People will give us a deduplication list. So they will say, hey, we've worked with these companies before, or maybe we're currently working with them. If we send a marketing email to that company, it's going to be really bad news, right? That's a good, good deal for us. And we do not want anything to spook those, those people on the other end. So what, what can we do to make sure that you're not giving us their email addresses? Great. All you have to do is put your information in a spreadsheet on Google. This is how we usually recommend people do it and just go share. So I'm going to copy the link to this and make sure that your share settings are public. So anyone with the link, copy link, and then bring that data over to Qualytics, paste it there. Oh,
1: that's cool. I didn't know about that. So that, that you could upload your client list and be like, hey, don't, don't give me anybody on our client list because we're going to be embarrassed.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I've done that and and it's, it's awkward.
1: <laughs> I have to. Yeah. They're right back. Like, what do you mean? Tampa's open.
0: And I'm like, sorry,
1: yeah. <laughs> this was an accidental email, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, most people are good about it. That's the nice thing. I think people get intimidated with cold outreach thinking oh man that's outside the box outside my comfort zone right I've never done that before. Um, But you're talking to real people so well you'll run into the occasional asshole that marks your memory and you'll remember them forever like that phone call I had most people are people like everybody else on this call. And they want to be nice back. And so most of the emails that I've ever made that mistake with, somebody wrote back and said, oh, Matt, we're already working together. You already closed me last month. You know, and they just laugh it off. It's not a big deal. Right. But you
1: still want to avoid it, you know, where possible. Um, Matt McEaly is asking, uh, can you target just franchises? If you just wanted to go after a specific franchise, do you have that capability?
0: Yes. Yep. Specify that you're looking for franchises and we will uh, pass that. This information goes directly to a spreadsheet, which is handed directly to the lead researcher. So they'll see that note and try to apply that. Um, If you're specifically looking for lists of franchises, I would go to uh, Google and I would try and find a directory of franchises in certain niches and then start from there. So maybe that's the next, uh, next example.
1: How you guys can tap into existing lead pools and things. Uh, before we go there, I just want to answer a couple of questions. Sean's yes. asking, do you have the ability to enrich existing lists? So for instance, if I get a list of the National Roofing Contractors of America, but I don't know certain details, can you guys take that and find emails and things like that?
0: Absolutely. Exact same thing we did here. People just upload it. And if you guys have never uploaded a list to, uh, a list to Google Sheets, it's really straightforward. I'll just show you in this existing one. We go done file import, right? It's just file import, Google, Google sheets, file import and put it in here and then share that link with us. Um, Don't copy and paste it from where am I? If you copy and paste this link, everybody just says, oh, it's just the same link as up here, right? No, that's unique to you and your login. So nobody else can access that link up there. If you type this in right now, you won't see anything. It'll tell you there's an error. Um, So make sure you do use the share button to put that link in there totally possible and we do that on a weekly basis for people and and you know guys i think this is a
1: key play for most of us right we can join the association 90 percent of the associations don't give emails they'll just give you the contact records and so you know this is a great play to say okay now i've got the list i need the emails load it up to coldlytics let their team research those people for you get the right email address the right maybe the owner's name um that can really fill in some gaps um give me a one if that makes sense it's something sean great question um, really great to know that that exists. Um, Sebastian's asking: Does Coldlytics do verification of the email to ensure it's valid?
0: Totally, yeah. So what we do here's here's how our process works. Right, we get your list sent to us through our backend, and then the first thing we do is we actually manually look at it ourselves, and we say who is the best lead researcher for this project, who's done something most similar to this in the past. So that's kind of our first QA step. And then we pass it off, assign it to them, give them the deadline for the work. If if we're gonna exceed that timeline, we message you. So you're always in the loop, Uh, but usually it's within 24 hours. And before we actually send that back to you, of course, researchers have provided this finished polished list to us. We then take it and I should step back and say, all our researchers are vetted very well and they actually have to verify all these emails themselves before they give them to us. That's just a, a standard that we've set in place but above and beyond that, we have to take it on ourselves to verify them again. So we then take that data and push it through zero bounce. Uh, Same thing as unbounce, never bounce, whatever you guys are currently using. Um, It's just the one that we've liked the results from the most. So we put it through zero bounce and then you get a list back similar to, I can actually show this one here. You'll get a list like this and these yellow emails were not able to be verified. So they didn't come back as valid. If you're familiar with zero bounce, they came back as what's called catch all, which means we're not hundred percent sure, but usually I would say on average 95, maybe 98% or better of these actually do deliver. Like you said, Josh, you've emailed Greg at this email address many times, you know, that's his email address, but the automated system couldn't really confirm it. So we highlight it in yellow to tell you, hey, this one we're not super confident in, same with this one, but the rest of these that aren't colored are all valid email addresses. Now you don't have any red ones here. You might see some highlighted in bright red. If you do, you're not charged for that contact. We've credited that back to you, but what you can do is still take all the other information because we sourced it. You may as well use it. Um, We're leaving you with their phone numbers. We're leaving you with the links to their, their LinkedIn or their addresses, if you're doing direct mail. So take advantage of that information, but we're focused on providing the right email address. And if we can't do that, we don't charge you for it. Um, so there's free value added in there in this case, all of these were valid. That's so good. Yeah, they'll,
1: they'll do that validation, which is really helpful. Um, Philip's saying he ran a search last week, didn't get quite what he needed. What's the best way to connect with you you know, you
0: yeah, know. for sure. Um, just ping us on the chat, let us know, and we can see it all in the back end, and we'll just remedy any misalignments there. Same thing with bounces guys, you're going to have bounces. It doesn't matter how many times we verify it. It actually a uh, little tech side of this. If Josh were to validate this list and I were to validate it, we would get different results back. And the reason being is that it's based on the IP that it pings off of. Um, so I won't go any further than that, but all that is to say, there's no surefire way to prevent a bounce. With that said, I said at the beginning, we don't think people should pay for garbage. I hate paying for garbage. So send us a screenshot of your bounces and we'll put those credits back in your account from whether using LemList or whatever it may be that you guys use. Um, just send us the screenshot and say, hey guys, these bounced. we sourced these from you and we'll put them back in your account.
1: So, super helpful. Um, Brad Herlock asked earlier, um, will it show you their Google map position, SEO ranking, um, stuff like that. No, like this is different, right? This is going to give you list contact details. It's not going to like show things like that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's more of like a SEMrush type of data analysis yeah. for SEO. Yeah. Good question. Uh, good information to have, but, uh, no, we don't provide that type of data typically.
1: Yeah. Sebastian I was questions? asking if you guys do any supplemental services, like sending the emails or developing and sending direct mail, um,
0: not at this time, uh, maybe down the road, but uh, we're steering away from being an agency and just providing the service to agencies like yourselves. Um, So that's really our our core focus here. And if you guys are saying, hey, well, listen, I really do wanna outsource this. Uh, Josh has tons of great contacts for you guys that he can say, hey, this is the guy. Um, And if you want more, of course, we have shared resources as well publicly that you guys can go look for, but there's uh, so many people in that space that we said, hey, we just wanna focus on quality data for people. Okay, so I will keep so, so there's
1: like now we're looking at two types of contact records, right? We've looked at, type in, this is the type of company I want. This is the basic parameters that I want. That's one path. The other path is more tapping into pools or like sites that already have that data aggregated, right? That's right. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into that.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to show you guys a few different examples. Um, so here's one. I was going to try and find something more relevant for a small business, but I just pulled this up really quickly earlier. Um, cause this is something I've looked for in the past, uh, plastic injection molding companies, right? If you were working with manufacturers, uh, where are you going to find this? Well, you can just tell us that's what you're looking for, but all that will happen is we will have to try and track down a directory. And here's why I wouldn't just recommend saying here is the ideal customer profile. If you can do it this way, is because you know, your niche better than we do. You work in your niche, you live and breathe that niche. You talk to those businesses every single day, right? Hopefully. Um, So if that's the case, you're going to tap into resources that won't come up on our Google search, right? Your Google is is an algorithm for you showing you results relevant to what you work in. So you'll find directories that we won't. I was able to find this one maybe because of my past search activity. Um, But if you search this, this is a massive, massive company list from iqs and it's industrial quick search manufacturer directory, right? Um, so all of these company names, sometimes there's phone numbers, other stuff. We take this list, copy this link, put it in Coldlytics under other websites right here, paste it, hit enter, and you'll see it was submitted in yellow. We can click the plus. What we'll do is that we'll then go through that list up to, in this case, up to 100 companies and find the owner contacts that you asked for, or whoever it may be. And if we can't get them, then we'll just go back to that link and say, okay, no problem. We'll just go to the next company in the list and see if we can find it. And it's often, uh, I wish it was automated, but most of the time it's a real person clicking this, searching LinkedIn, searching Facebook. And some people like doing that. I hate doing it, man. I've tried, Um, but it's what gets you the best results. So that's one way to take advantage of a directory like this, Um, There's tons of other directories out there that do exist. Uh, You can use thomas.net. You can even use some of the free stuff that's out there. Like uh, nothing's coming to mind at the time. But if you Google stuff, there's tons of these directories. Let me give you a more specific one that we like to use for local searches. Let's say you offer advertising services. You run Google ads or you run Facebook ads for lawyers, right? Uh, Maybe your hometown is Chicago. So you want to find lawyers in Chicago, Google lawyers in Chicago, and you're going to get a map that looks like this. Click on this map. And I'll show you guys a way to remember all these strategies at the end. So you don't have to be. And this is is
1: how we recommend you guys do it in our, in the on-ramp. Like this is the play, right? You grab straight from Google maps and let their team pull from there. That way you're going to get the most consistent match to industry. Uh, But go ahead.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite strategies. Um, You can see right here, you know, they're all mapped for you and you can see if they're relevant or not. But these are sometimes I ran one earlier. I can't remember what it was for, um, but it was really muddled data. Um, So you have to look at it and say, hey, did I get a good list back? in the the first place to work from. Um, Otherwise you'll know, hey, it's okay if you didn't, if you searched for lawyers in Chicago and there was really spotty, like every other one was an ad for Costco. Well, obviously we're not gonna put Costco on your list. Um, We know you're looking for lawyers, but just know that if you requested a thousand of those, there's probably only 10 that we could get emails for on that list in the first place. So it's just that that process of deduction. Um, So keep scrolling here and just show you guys the size of this, if you click on 10, going to jump down and show you 14 pages. So it shows you four or five more. And this is how you can get a, an idea of how big is the market for law firms in Chicago. So, okay, I've hit the max here. So uh, you can multiply that out and say, hey, I know how many listings are in here. There's 14 listings times 25 and do the math. And you'll have an idea of how big your marketplace might actually be in Chicago. But all that aside, let's grab this search URL and bring it back to Coldlytics and put it in the Google maps slot here, just hit enter and there it is. So you will have requested up here under ideal customer profile, you will have come in and said that you're looking for law firms, for example, and you don't have to, if that search is so perfect, then you don't even need to put that in. Um, And then you could be looking for partners and owners. Um, You can type it out like this, or what I like to do, this is the faster shortcut is just go owners and founders. And we're going to give you the highest level contact we can get. So if you can't get an owner or a founder, then a director and executive might not be a bad decision. But depending on your business, you that could be a total waste of time. So choose wisely. Um, some people just say, hey, I only want to talk to uh, CMOs. I'm a CMO in another business, and I can really talk to those guys. And so that's who I'm going for, owners and CMOs. Perfect. Great. Um, so that's a quick example there with Google Maps. Uh, Josh, good to keep going here with another example.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And and so just to be clear, like that would be my recommended strategy. This is what we do, right? We search plumbers in Dallas. Google Maps is pretty tight data. Then we grab that search URL and we can drop that right into Coldlytics. And we want the owners, um, we want their mailing address, we want their LinkedIn profile. And then their team goes to work looking that
0: up, getting us the,
1: the best contact record for the owner.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to show you guys another one. I'll show you two more. These are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The results are really uh, hit and miss. Sometimes there's lots of great data. And when it is good, it's pure gold. And when it's not there, it's tough luck. Um, But if it's there, it's really worth doubling down on. And I like to go to these sources first and then go to some of the more broad approaches. Um, So here's one of those two. You can use sources like... Uh, Google News or press aggregators. So an example of that is prnewswire.com. You can use either of those for this example. You, You can use all kinds of clutch. There's lots of different places that aggregate news and press releases. Google News is probably one of the more powerful ones. Let's say, for example, you serve software companies, and you particularly serve software companies that have raised funding, and you have data to say that if a software company has completed a funding round through venture capital, we are 10 times more likely to do business with them than any of our other prospects. Well, then I'd be looking for companies that are doing VC funding, for sure. Um, How are you going to find that? Where are you going to get that, right? And how are you going to talk to those people who obviously just raised money and are clearly very busy people and get their attention? This is a very unique way that you can reach those people and don't say, okay, Matt said this, this is the box of how I use Google news, right? Don't put yourself in a box. That's one example. This is limitless. The way that you use this tool is limitless. So this is just my example. So let's go software. We're going to search the industry series a, right? So series a is a keyword that is for VC funding uh, most often. And We'll search that and see what comes up. UK-based, blah, 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 raises this. Real estate marketing software raised that, awesome. Okay, this is cool. This is a list of companies who are newsworthy right now. These people are in the peak of, of their own business. This is the biggest their business has ever been. They just raised millions of dollars. This is a pinnacle moment for them in their lives. So they're waiting for the attention. They love attention. Everybody loves attention. That's why we do press releases, right? It grows our business. Um, and people don't mind being pumped up and saying, Hey, congrats on your funding round, right? That feels good. That's a milestone that many people dream of and never get to. Uh, many of you guys may be in that boat right now. So here's what we would do is take this search result. Let's go back to coldlytics for a minute. And you know what we're going to do, we're going to paste it in. We're going to go to optional signals that comes right under that goes task attributes, ideal customer profile, and then optional signals. And then Google news result paste. If you were to put this under other websites, we're going to get it, we're going to see the link. Um, so don't sweat it too much. Did I paste it in the right place? You know, We'll click the link and see what's there at the end of the day, but it just does lay it out nicer. Um, so Google News result, we've pasted this in. And then what we will do, you can say, let's say, actually I had a specific example like this. If you guys watch any of our YouTube videos, I use this example there too. Uh, I had a client say, we can't have anybody who's done series B, C, D, E, you name it. If they've done other types of funding, we actually can't work with them for whatever reason. So you can say series A press only, right? In the comments. We will try and find just those from the list or you can say software only, or if you put that in your industry, then we'll look for that. And then what we do is take this list, go through and get this data based on those people. The same as we would from any other source, except, you know, these were newsworthy results. So. One step further, again, this is a really advanced, more technical use case for Coldlytics. Uh, if you guys don't remember this, that's okay. We do have YouTubes on it and it should be in our help center. Uh, let's go to next. Under data points, you're gonna wanna find the press URL or whatever it was, news URL, right? And then in your cold email copy, you can send an email that says something like a subject line, saw you in the news right? Okay, sweet. If somebody sends me an email that says saw me in the news, I'd be damned not to click that email and hear what people are saying about me. I'd be thrilled to hear people are talking about that time they saw me in the news, right? That's all I want to hear. Talk about me. So, and that's how we all operate. Um, so that's a great conversation. And then what you can do to take it one step further, say, Hey, I saw you specifically and name if you wanted, uh, the domain or, or what the, if it was CNN or, or CBS or whatever the news coverage was So here's the link to the press article. So, you know, I'm not just blowing smoke. Cause I heard you might've raised money. This is a real tangible example for you. Um, really cool. Here's how we can work together. We just worked with three other companies like you who completed a series, a round, and now they're entering series B because of the work we did together and their trajectory is like this right? Whoa, nobody else sent them an email like that. I promise you nobody's doing this stuff. That's why you've probably never heard it before. Um, Take advantage of it. You're not going to find this on any of the other tools, any of the other platforms. Go take this and do it somewhere else, but just do it. I don't don't care if you use Coldlytics or not. Do things that grow your business, and this works. It's worked for us. Um, So take this and run with it. That's one of my favorite strategies right there. And I'm going to show you one similar on LinkedIn, but I'll pause here and turn it over to Josh case there's anything to add or ask.
1: I love that. I love that strategy, right? And I think for certain verticals that there's a play for that. Um, So good, really good example. Um, Phillip's asking, what's the default source for the phone number? Is it straight from Google,
0: my business or? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So by default, if we've started from, let's say we started from, do I have that list up? I don't. That list earlier had some phone numbers. Then of course, if we're looking at that list first, that's the first phone number we'll grab. If you're looking for direct dials, you can request that specifically. And we'll try and find that specific person's phone number if we can get it. Um, But otherwise, it's usually a mix and a majority of direct company lines, but not the specific individual.
1: The main company number, yep. Um, Don's asking, in your order there, you had a couple different sources. You had Google News and you had Google Maps and you had the data at the top. Would you, would you do those as separate orders or would you combine them like that?
0: Great question. Always submit those as separate tasks. Here's why I'm gonna log out of this example account. Uh, see if I can show you personal account. That's always a good sign. Um, let's see if I can get, all right, remember that password. So. The reason that you want to do these separate is, let me see if I can find, here's an example, right? Lead brokers, buy, sell. Like I was looking at one point to talk to uh, brokers in the UK, business brokers in the UK. And I didn't know where they were coming from. And if I searched all these people as a group, I would never know. And I would be at a disadvantage when I talked to that lead. Um, not really knowing how I sourced them or where I came from. But the funny thing is they usually have a pretty good feeling of how you got their contact information, or if they don't, then they may ask. And it sucks to not have an answer because you actually emailed them. So you kind of want to have a good answer. Um, So what I like to do is just break these down and say, US, UK outbound agencies. This is a lead brokers buy sell group. That's a separate thing, but tangential. So I put it in a separate task. Um, You're like, well, hey, Matt, the the plumbers in Iowa or plumbers in Iowa, whether I found them in a directory or not. Sorry, phone call. Um, it doesn't matter. Still break them down because you may have to go back and do your homework and say, hey, where did I get that lead? Where did I get that information? And it's, it's just good bookkeeping. It's good back office to have that stuff separated. Can you submit it in one? Will we do it? Absolutely. Best practice? No. Cool.
1: Rachel's asking, can you please Share well, where to find the Google News searches, the strategy for the Google News.
0: Yep. So it's news.google.com, um, or you can just search Google News, but this will take you to, let's get rid of this. This will take you to Google News right here, news.google.com. And then it populated the rest of this URL. Yeah. I'll give you guys a couple others here as well. Because um, if not, where else are you going to find these PR Newswire? Let's get you a link here and I can drop these in the chat. How are we doing for time, Josh? Doing great. Perfect. One in chat if you're getting value, you're getting some new ideas on how to access
1: data and stuff. Awesome. Uh, Sean's asking lead time for lists.
0: Uh, uh, 24 hours. But
1: what's the ideal time frame?
0: Yeah, 24 hours is our goal. So we try to turn everything out 24 hours. If it's going to be much longer than that, we just ping you and say, hey, here's what we're up to. You will have this probably within a day um, and we'll let you know. We we'll keep you in the loop, but it should be a day.
1: Yeah, I've seen usually if we submit like on Monday at two o'clock in the afternoon by Tuesday morning-ish, we've got it. So within within the day.
0: Yeah. Um, I typed clutch and then hit enter in the chat but I meant to do that in Google. Let's see if we can find clutch. It's
1: a good one for, uh, for looking up agencies.
0: Yeah. Um, so maybe you'll find your competitors in here. Um, here's another one. Um, I, I could probably do a fair bit of this, but if you you start to get the idea that you're looking for press aggregators or company aggregation lists of some kind, um, they are out there and we could spend the rest of your time today just looking at companies that provide this data online. So there is a ton of them. But I'd say my favorite is probably PR Newswire and Google News because they're so powerful. Yeah, keep um, going. go ahead. No, no, I was just saying bye to Sean. Good luck on the sales call. Good luck, Sean. That's awesome. Okay, um, if we're good, I'm gonna jump from here and show you guys my favorite example to do with LinkedIn data as well.
1: Okay, so so real quick check in, guys. So um, you can just tell them I want this industry and this type of person, or I've got this data pool. I love Google Maps, because you know the Google Maps data is great for our typical you know niche agencies that's where the data sits, right? We're trying to provide GMB optimization services. So that's just a really good play. Um, then there's like the data pools, which um, Jacob has been talking a lot about, right? Where's where you find clutch.co or some other directory that's publicly accessible of all of the people within your niche. And sometimes if you're strategic with your data pool, you can say, you know, Google Maps is anybody, right? Anybody can get on Google Maps, but this particular data pool has people that, they're on there because they're more successful or they have a better fit for the type of client we want to work with. And so if you can find those types of data pools, that's a great place to set from. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. And Um, then
1: um, Sean's asking, let's say we need 10 cities. Would you create 10 different tasks? So Dallas, um, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, I would say each, each one would be a different task potentially.
0: Yeah, so it really depends on what you're doing with the data. If your campaign is specific to the city, then you wanna have different uh, lists in general. That way you don't have to segregate your list afterwards and and filter and download different versions and stuff. It's just, you're creating work for yourself. You may as well just break them down um, and do them this way. Um, So you can group them together, that's no problem. You can list all the cities that you need them to be in. Uh, But if you would rather, and again, we don't have a specific city, filter here. But if you need specific cities, you can just come down here and state that if you're not using a Google Maps search, for example. Um, yeah, so, Sebastian,
1: what I, what I recommend and kind of what we're, we're showing you guys to doing on ramp is to pick one city at a time, run them through the one city outreach approach. So there's a campaign that you can pull straight into high level. Um, and so at the beginning of the week, you train your VA, go pull a list for Houston, Texas, and then their team runs it, grabs it, drops it into, you know, into the Google Sheet. And then you guys would take that load or your VA would take that loaded into high level, trigger the campaign. That would add them to the pipeline and all of the follow-up steps you want them to do. It would trigger the emails that are gonna happen. And also the task reminders for your VA to go find that person on LinkedIn, find that person on Facebook, send the messages. Um, and that way each week, there's a new wave of prospects in a different city that you're closing down. Um, so that would be my, my recommended way, you know, one city at a time. Don't drop an entire state unless you're in a very, very specific niche. One city usually is going to give you, you know, 50 to 100 prospects, which is enough that you and your VA team can really work that and touch them a number of times in a number of different ways. Yeah. So back to you, Matt. Sebastian, let me know if that if that helped or if that clarified
0: and another thing to think about, guys, is how does your sales process work? So if you find yourself meeting with people, even though, you know, the world may be moving away from that, if you end up meeting people anyway, then how much more advantageous is it to go to a city nearby and make two meetings rather than two separate trips, right? So um, it's it's way better, as Josh said, to go city by city if you have the luxury of doing so. Definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, so this next example, guys, it'll be. My last example, I want to show you how to do something very similar to that press strategy, but on LinkedIn. So if you guys are like me on LinkedIn, I'm absolutely sick of getting emails that say, Hey, how are you feeling about COVID and blah, 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 it's like, man. I know you don't care. <laughs> we all know the other person doesn't care and it's a sales message. They just want to be nice. And I appreciate that they're being nice, but it's not going to get my attention and get a reply. So search for something relevant to what your audience is doing. So for me at Coldlytics, um, people who are talking about cold email, cold email strategy, those are people who need what Coldlytics does, right? They need data for cold email. So what I do is I go in here and I search cold email. And I have a specific example over here, but what you'll see is kind of a list of companies and people and posts at the top and filter this by posts. Again, we've got videos on this on YouTube and in our help center as well. Um, nice. It popped up again for me here. Um, so Yusef, somebody that I did a podcast with a little while back, he actually had a pretty good post on cold email. Do you reply to cold emails? 82 commenters. We're talking about cold email here. Let's see what the comments are like on this post. It really depends. Thanks. Blah, 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 blah. Deep prioritize. Okay. So this isn't bad. I mean, these are people who are engaging in conversation about cold email. But let's go a little bit further. Let's click the next one that we see. Josh Brown, he's big on cold email stuff. Cold email teardown. Okay, so this is really relevant to crafting cold emails. 54 comments, almost 500 people engaged with it. Great con as always, thanks for sharing. Do you add a link for them? So these people are obviously sending cold emails, right? If this guy's asking if he should or shouldn't include a link, he's obviously gonna be sending a cold email. So what I would want to do is then come, engage with this post and say, love this you know thanks for sharing something try and make it a little more relevant than that but for the sake of doing this with you guys I'll keep it generic um, so I've now engaged with this post if I wasn't connected with Josh Braun or following him I would send him a connection request it's gonna be pending forever because I'm sure he's too busy for me um, and <laughs> I've said I follow him right now Let's go down and look at some of these comments. There may be a prospect literally screaming that they need your service in this thread. And if if you see it, just jump right in, right? Go for it. Um, But otherwise what I'll do, click the three dots in the top right corner, copy link to post. So that will give you the specific post let's test it. Let's just put it up here to make sure we have the right link. Some people will send a search result rather than the actual post that you care about. So this is the post, right? And don't forget this step to engage with the post. This is really critical to how you can apply this this data. Um, So then bring it back here and go to LinkedIn search group or post URLs, paste it and hit enter. Perfect, so we've got this in here. Now, here's what I'm gonna do on the defined data points. I'm gonna say link to post. So I want to know what that link was and maybe the post author's name you don't have to do it this way this is just how i personally use our system post author's name um or post author and then what i will do is i will then craft my cold email to say this saw your comment on linkedin or saw you on linkedin and my first intro line says josh saw we both commented on the seven figure agency post about cold email strategies um, looks like we're both doing some of the same things. Maybe we could jump on a call and, and trade best practices if you've learned something I haven't yet, right? Whoa, okay, that's not a sales call. That's somebody who's literally networking, who saw me on LinkedIn, called out, maybe even put the link in and said, Hey, I saw you on this post, and they click and see. It's like, Oh, okay. And I, I implied this earlier, but everybody's thinking about themselves. You're thinking about how can I make more money today? How can I grow my business? How can I help my employees? Whatever it is you're thinking about something that actually benefits you. Even if it's selfless, it somehow is feeding you. And people on the receiving end of this email are the same way you and I are. So if you can send them an email that says, I saw you on the internet and we're both doing something relevant, or I saw your comment on LinkedIn, sometimes I'll use that as my line, saw your comment on LinkedIn rather than saw you on LinkedIn suddenly people are like, whoa, what did I say? You know, my first head was like, oh no, man, I must have offended somebody. If somebody's writing me an email about something I said, I got to click it. I got to see it, right? And if you've written that copy well and you've optimized it, then you know you're going to get through to these people and say, hey, look, if you're presenting a value proposition that makes sense and you know you have market fit, then there's no reason that doing this strategy is going to hurt you. And what I've actually had is people come back and say, hey, I'm actually looking to retire or I'm not interested, but... I really love the approach and I just wanted to say thanks for reaching out. And I've never been thanked for cold emails until I started doing this. I started getting literal CEOs thanking me for, for interrupting their day. I was like, Whoa, okay. This is different than anything I've tried before. Now I said at the beginning, you may not find posts on LinkedIn. You may not find press results that are relevant to you and that's okay. But if you can find them, why not go dig up that gold, send them a super tailored email. And if it's such a small number, then do a little more homework and add a better custom field or a better first line, right? Maybe you guys are doing that for all your emails anyway. Um, so that's my, my examples I wanted to share with you. I'll turn it back over to Josh here. This is kind of the end of what I had for you guys.
1: This was great. Great breakdown. I think you showed us a couple different angles and ways to get the data, some different angles on how you can mix up your messaging and really stand out in the inbox. Um, again, guys, um, this is a great source for quality data. Um, you know, Basically, you, you can't rely on just scraped or purchased data, right? Your two options, in my mind, are one, hire a VA, train them up on how to do this research for you, find the information, look it up, put it onto spreadsheets so that you can move the, the needle forward. Uh, or two, use ColdLytics because they've already got the, the tools and, like, kind of the, the paid premium sources, as well as the people that can do the manual labor on the back end and really turn this into a fine tuned process and machine. Um, Matt, thanks for taking the time for coming on and for walking us through it. Any other questions before we wrap up here on Coldlytics, accessing the data, um, anything along those lines? I'll say, if you use Coldlytics and you've got questions for tech support type stuff, use the Coldlytics site, right? That's where you will get Matt and his team and you can run it through there. If you've got strategy specific cold outreach questions, You can put those in the Facebook group. Matt and his partner are in the Facebook group. Um, So you can say, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, some new data pool and I have a question. You can tag him in the Facebook group and he'll see it um, and do his best to to engage with you there. Uh, Will wants to know how much it is for each credit. I don't know if you could speak to that. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, So I will quickly share my screen because I'm a visual person and that's best way for me to go over it with you. So in your account, and you can see it on the home page as well. Why don't I just take you straight to coldlytics.com. In your account, you can find it under top up in the top right corner. But if you go to coldlytics.com and scroll to the bottom, these are our price tiers. Uh, So it starts out at $99 for 250 credits. And if you're like, well, how much am I paying for contact? Uh, It's this number right down here. So you can pay as little as 29 cents or uh, still just as little as $0.39 cents for a decision-maker contact. Um, and again, you're only paying for valid emails that are deliverable for the people you need. So if you're getting bounces or if you're getting information like somebody mentioned earlier, hey, my list wasn't exactly what I wanted, just ping us and we'll straighten it out for you and make sure you get exactly what you need. Um, you can top up as well. So if you're on this plan and you want more credits, but it doesn't really make economic sense for you to move up to a thousand, then you can just buy some extra credits. You can buy an extra batch of a hundred, 500, et cetera.
1: Yeah. What I found is that, you know, the price per, per record is very similar to what you would pay SIC code or data axle with the added benefit of knowing that you had someone on the other side, manually researching and looking things up, um, Let's hear Philip saying, is it all subscription-based or is there one-off pricing? Um, I don't believe it's subscription-based. Maybe you could speak to that.
0: Yep, yeah, it is all subscription-based. We tried the other way early on um, and it just didn't make sense. It wasn't a feasible way for us to uh, maintain the open doors here for our business. So it is subscription-based, but there's no contract. So with that said, if you're like, Hey, I just want to try it out for a single month, 99 bucks is your, your trial cost that's it. That's all it costs you. Less than hundred bucks. If you didn't like it. You can jump back. Uh, if you do, we're going to ask you why, and please tell me why, because that's the only way we're going to get better. Uh, but I think you'll stick around.
1: Uh, Sebastian saying any way to find out how many matches our search might retrieve?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. We get that often. Um, it's a tough question to answer and here's why, and this is no BS at all. Um, the reason it's a difficult question to answer is because we can, all search the internet and we can all try and say hey google maps turned out 250 companies that match this criteria but how many of those can you get an email for that's the decision maker that's smaller how many can you get that's the actual owner that's way smaller how many more can you get that went through zero bounce and came back as valid we have to pay to do that to find out there's only one way to do it and it's to try Um, so if you really need to know you're like hey um, I'm an agency and I run campaigns and I need to buy data for my clients and I can't bring on a client if I can't keep them around more than three months, right? We have a few clients like that. They'll ask us ahead of time and say, hey, should I sign this client? Like, do you think on um, all your experience and your best judgment, is there 3,000 people that match this criteria? Just ballpark for me and we'll say, hey, you know, we think a wild ass guess is yes, here's why or here's why not. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't give you a hard set number on what that total addressable market looks like. Due yeah, to the sense. limited emails.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, Thomas wants to know, what about credits not used? Do they
0: roll over or is it use it or lose it? No, nope, they roll over. You're good. If you disappear for a year, we're going to email you and be like, hey, do we need to keep this account open or not? But uh, it hasn't happened yet. So they roll over. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Great questions, guys. Great engagement. Again, you know, I think cold outreach is critical to this whole process. Um, two really important things I think we, we talked about was Having a systematic approach to get the data that we can load into our campaigns, uh, but also having a systematic approach to join the association and be able to reverse engineer, all right, now I've got the names of the business owners, but I don't have their emails. You can implement that. Um, Will says this can be a game changer. No, no doubt. I, I agree. Um, so Matt, really glad to have you in the fold. Appreciate you taking the time to break this down and kind of talk strategy with us a little bit. Um, let's, let's wrap the session there. If you have follow-up strategy questions, post them in the Facebook group. If you have tech questions specific to Coldlytics, make sure you do that through the chat on the Coldlytics site. Great stuff. Thanks, everybody. Have an amazing afternoon, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys later.